Good morning and welcome to worship here at Trinity. My name is Wade Giffen. So glad that you joined us online today. We're beginning a four-week series today that we're really excited about, that we've been looking forward to for quite a long time. And the series is called Questions Our Children Ask that I bet you want the answer to as well. Let me set the scene. One of our children's ministry persons has been keeping a journal of the questions that our children here at Trinity have been asking about God. And man, they have some great questions, deep questions. And so in this series, we're going to ask those questions because you probably want the answer as well. Let's turn now to worship and handle our first question. Hey, good morning. My name is Wade, one of the pastors here, and, um, and once in a while I have the right microphone pack and even know where I am and what I'm supposed to be doing. It's great to welcome you into worship um, today and to have you with us. We have been waiting to just anxiously to start this new series that we start today. Uh, so excited about it. It's, uh, it. it's called Questions Our Kids Ask But We All Want to Know. And uh, this, this is how it came together. One of our children's ministry uh, staff has been keeping a journal of the questions that she is asked by our children. And, uh, and she always drills down a little bit when the kids ask this question to try to understand what's underneath that question or the context of what is happening in the class. And the children are asking really, really deep questions, but they're using child language when they ask the questions. So this isn't a childish series, it's very serious, but these questions have come from our very own Trinity children and really inform us on, on the way. Uh, today, for example, can Jesus come to our class and make us more Kool-Aid? Pastor Kim's going to unpack that one for us. And next week, I'll be up. And uh, um, is Jesus an alien? So come on, y'all. I uh, hope you're here and that you'll uh, be a part, a part of that. We're really excited about it. Well, it is a joy to be with you today and to have the chance to share scripture with you. Uh, for those of you I haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Kim Weiskopf, and I am one of the pastors here. And Today's scripture, it comes from the Gospel of John. And in this passage, we find Jesus beginning his public ministry. He's invited people to follow him. He's gathered some disciples. And here in this passage, we find them attending a wedding. And so I invite you now to hear these words from chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, I have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to me and to you? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water. 
and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the person in charge of the banquet. So they took it. And when the person in charge tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, that person called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, when my older daughter Katie was younger, she and I used to walk back and forth from school, and I used to treasure this time. It was like our own very special personal time together, and it was not uncommon for that to be a time when she would, would launch a whole host of questions at me. Sometimes those questions were about what she was learning in school. Sometimes they were th about things in life, about growing up. And at other times, they were about the Bible and about her faith. And I've got to say that those were the kind of questions that I didn't dread them, but they left me flustered. And often my answer to her when she would ask me those deep questions of faith was, you know, that is an excellent question. Those are great questions. Let's go ask our pastor what the answer is. Now that I am a pastor, I don't have such an easy out anymore. But honestly, I truly do love the way kids look at the world. They look at it in such a different and beautiful way, and they inspire me and challenge me with the questions that they have. Jesus once said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Children, they are important to God, and we have so much that we can learn from them. Certainly, they show us what it's like to live with more trust and less fear. They often live with an openness that we as adults don't always have. And what really stands out to me as we begin this sermon series is that kids have an inquisitive nature about them. You know, there's an interesting thing that happens in human development. We seem to begin life full of curiosity. If you have kids in your life or you're around kids, you know that they often seem to be investigating things. They explore everything under the sun. And they want to understand how the world around them works and how they fit into that picture. And even the tiniest babies, when they can't speak, if you look in their eyes, there's a, there is a spark of curiosity that you can even see in their eyes. But somewhere along the way, as we grow, we often seem to stop asking questions. 
or at least we stop asking the really big questions. We may still be curious, but we aren't always comfortable asking questions because we're afraid that we might look bad or that it'll show that we don't know something that we think we should know. And I'm sure there are exceptions to this. There are adults who are just as curious, but kids will often ask the kind of questions that we won't ask. They may ask them in really different ways, but they ask the questions. And so, as Pastor Wade said, today we're starting a new sermon series looking at real questions that we have heard from kids right here in our church. And I suspect while we may not ask them in the same way, there are those of us here who have the exact same questions that they do. But before we begin, I would be remiss if I did not give a huge shout out to our Trinity Kids staff and all of the people who volunteer to work with our kids. Um, they just do incredible work answering all of our kids' questions and helping our kids grow. They are truly a vital part of our ministry here at Trinity, and they are doing God's work in and out each week. We are so grateful for all of those who work in this area and for the ways that they help helped us develop this series. And today, as Pastor Wade said, we're going to begin this sermon series um, with a scripture that you just heard of Jesus turning water into wine. And we're going to look at a question that actually came out of our preschool class. Our teachers, they were telling the story of Jesus turning water into wine, and so they planned an object lesson. They had a pitcher that had some Kool-Aid hidden in the bottom of it, and so when they added the water into the pitcher, suddenly it, it turned colors, and it was as if their own water was turning into something different. And they loved it. But when the juice ran out, they wanted more. <laughs> now, Miss Martha, their teacher, she explained that they were out, that they didn't have any more. But those kids, they remembered this story. And so what did they ask? Can Jesus come to our class and make us more Kool-Aid? Makes sense. Now, on the surface, that question, it might not seem very deep because we know this isn't how Jesus works. Jesus isn't walking around on the earth and in our building in the same way that he was when this story um, was told. And we know that God doesn't always answer our prayers um, when we request something. As I like to put it, God is not like an ATM machine where we put in our requests and magically everything that we want comes out and is given to us. But underneath their question, can Jesus come to our classroom and make us more Kool-Aid, are two very big questions. One, is Jesus still active today or was he just a man who did amazing things in the past? And two, do miracles still happen today? 
as I was working on this sermon series, I started to feel like I wanted to respond in the same way that I did when my daughter Katie would ask these kind of questions. These are really great questions. Let's go ask Pastor Wade. Now, a few weeks ago, you said you had to be ready to preach at a moment's notice. That did cross my mind to call you up here. And I say that because these are big, big questions. And I have really been wrestling with how to answer them for you. I've been feeling this pressure to give you the perfect answer, the one that is going to convince you without a doubt that God is active in our world today and that, yes, God still performs miracles all around us even today. It's a lot of pressure. And I spent hours and hours searching for the perfect example of a miracle and reading all kinds of stories of people who said they experienced miracles in their own lives. And I thought, you know, if I find just the right one, maybe I can convince you and you can leave confident of your faith that God's still active and yes, miracles happen. And as I read these stories, I found myself more convinced than ever that God is active in our world. But I also found myself trying to poke holes in all of the stories, trying to come up with ways to explain what had happened. My mind just wouldn't turn that off. And then I realized that not even the disciples, the disciples who sat at Jesus' feet who followed him closely, who listened to all his teachings, who saw the healings and miracles firsthand. Not even they fully got it. They believed, but they had trouble grasping it all and making sense of it. In fact, if you look at Luke's account of the Easter story that we just talked about last week, the women come to the disciples proclaiming that the ultimate miracle has happened. Jesus has been resurrected from the dead just as he promised. And how do the disciples respond? Scripture tells us that they call it an idle tale. They call it nonsense. In essence, they call it fake news. Surely that's not what you're talking about. So if Jesus, performing these miracles, couldn't even convince the people who witnessed them firsthand, then I decided that I needed to cut myself some slack and just speak from the heart today. Because there are times when we pray and we pray and we pray for a miracle and they don't happen. And there are times when miracles happen to people that don't even ask for them. And I wish, more than anything, I could tell you why that was happening. I don't know why it happens sometimes, and I don't know why it doesn't happen at other times. I know it's not a lack of faith, but there are just some things that we cannot explain. And even though I can't explain how God works, I do believe with all my heart that God is active today. I see God at work when someone says the right thing 
at just the right time when I need it. I see God at work when things just seem to fall into place perfectly. I've seen God bring unexpected healing when I thought the end was coming. I believe that God had a hand in bringing me here to Trinity because I can't explain how each path that I have been on somehow converges in this place in beautiful ways. And I told Pastor Wade just the other day, I am blown away and in awe of the number of times that he and I say, and we will articulate to all of you that we want to do something, that we need something, and one of you steps forward and offers us a gift we never, ever expected. I can't help but think that God has a hand in all of that. And maybe some would tell us that those are all coincidences. Maybe. But I feel like God is at work. Jesus might not be here physically, but the body of Christ is alive and well and active, and Jesus' presence is felt here. Are these miracles? Maybe. A miracle, by definition, is simply a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is considered to be the work of God. There's another definition, though, that I like even better than that. A miracle is when God makes a way. And if you don't think that God's at work here in this place, isn't it interesting that Chris picked a song called Waymaker earlier, and he had no idea that I was going to define miracle as God making a way. Maybe you have experienced, you have not experienced a miraculous healing in your life. Maybe you haven't experienced a miraculous event. But how many of you have felt like God has made a way for you at some point in your life when it seemed like there was no other way? I know I have felt that way. The point of miracles is that they point beyond themselves to what is revealed through them. And that is why I love the way that that John starts recounting Jesus' public ministry. He starts this way at a wedding with this miracle. John calls it a sign, but it's a miracle nonetheless. Because in Jesus' time, wedding celebrations, they went on for days. And instead of going on a honeymoon, they would have a wedding feast that would last for at least a week. And at that time, it would have brought great shame to a family to not have enough to keep that wedding feast going. And in this passage, we hear how they ran out of wine on just the third day. And Jesus' mother, she notices this, and she goes to Jesus and says, they don't have enough wine. 
And while the exchange between Jesus and his mother feels really awkward because he says, it's not my time, in essence, it's not really my concern now or your concern now, he ultimately is moved to do something in those moments. He has the servants gather those jars and fill them with water that he then turns into wine. And only the mother of Jesus, the servants, and the disciples are aware of this incredible exercise of Jesus' power. What an interesting way for John to begin telling the story of Jesus' public ministry. He doesn't do it with a healing he doesn't do it with something big like an exorcism. It's not a powerful sermon. It's not something earth-shaking that he takes people's breath away as they watch him doing it. No, Jesus turns water into wine, and he keeps this party going. That's not exactly what you would expect Jesus' first act to be. Why would he start with this? Maybe, because this miraculous sign says so much about who Jesus is. In this little story, we hear how Jesus cares about people's needs. No matter how frivolous they might seem to us, not only does he care about their needs, he responds. And we know he may not always respond in the way that we want or that we express, but Jesus sees our needs and responds. Every aspect of our life matters to Jesus. We also discover in this story that he thinks it's worth a miracle to celebrate people and to celebrate love. And that's what we see throughout Jesus' ministry. He celebrated people, people getting married, people being healed, people's relationships with one another being restored. He celebrated people who nobody else would celebrate. And even, he even celebrated just people enjoying a meal together. He came to grow that love and, a, and that joy so it was overflowing like these jars of wine were. You know, miracles, they don't have to be big miracles. They aren't limited to just unexpected healings. This story, it tells us something, tells us that sometimes miracles can just be bringing joy into our lives. But what strikes me most about this passage is that Jesus' mother saw that need, and she believed that Jesus could do something. If you notice in the scripture, she, even without Jesus saying, yes, I will do something, she tells those servants to do whatever he asks. She expected Jesus to do something. She expected that he would make a way where it didn't seem like there was a way. She thought he would do something. And that's what I love about this question from the kids. 
They had no hesitation in asking for Jesus, asking Jesus for what was important to them. And they didn't think it was out of the realm of possibilities that Jesus would, in fact, make them more Kool-Aid. And I wonder, what would our life look like if we believed, like Jesus' mother, that Jesus could do something in our lives, too? What might happen if we took everything to him and lived with the expectation that God is active even in the most mundane of things? How might our lives be different if we lived trusting in the one who cares so deeply for us? Might we discover that miracles are all around us, both big and small? Albert Einstein, he once said, there are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle, and the other is though everything in life is a miracle. I believe in miracles. I believe that every moment is pregnant with possibility that God just might surprise us and just might surprise the world. Because if Jesus can conquer de death and sin, and if I put my trust in him, I know that there is nothing that we can't face together. I believe in miracles. But I don't want you to just take my word for it. I want you to hear what the kids say. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. Miracle is something that happens suddenly or unexpectedly. When something just so good happens to you that you have to like just be thankful for it. A miracle is an everyday extraordinary. Something that you think is, isn't possible becomes possible. Something that you couldn't believe that would happen and it's really good. God surprises us. He saved my life twice. You can always think that's not possible, but it probably is to God. Do you think Jesus still works miracles today? Yep, all the time, even right now. It's when you find the strength you didn't think you had, when you find hope, when you thought all was lost. That's the Holy Spirit inside of you. If you believe in miracles, keep believing. Y'all, I want to, I want to have the kind of faith that I just heard expressed in that in that video. Um, I'm not sure when and where it happens when we lose that. Um, but thank you, Pastor Kim, for reconnecting us to that. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for the gift of children in our lives. Thank you for the way that they give us a glimpse of you that we've either forgotten or we don't have the capacity to really embrace in our all grown-up adult lives. Thank you for the reminder today that you are a way maker. That when there seems there is no way, 
that we've bumped up against the wall of something in our lives that holds us in a place that keeps us captive, somehow you make the way. And we're sorry that, that often that this happens in our lives regularly. We, we explain it away. We, we call it some coincidence. And we fail to just stop and just imagine for a moment that you have worked a miracle <laughs> by making a way for us. And so maybe we could begin to think of a thing we would call a coincidence Maybe there's no such thing as a coincidence. Maybe for people of faith, we would just say that's a God instance and that you were present. Like children, God, we pray that you would, that you would help us, that, that you would be present in our world and in our faith in such a way to move us, to move with no hesitation to ask of you what we need to bring to you those places that feel like there's no way, that, that we are broken, that, that we need a miracle, and that we would believe and trust you for it. Help us have a humble boldness and as we come to you. Every one of us in this room and online at the reach of my voice has something where there seems there is not a way, that it is impossible, that it is too big. Makes us want to quit, makes us want to retreat, whatever it is. God, you can make the way. Maybe not the exact way we want, maybe not the exact path or the route that we have in mind, but you make the way. We pray for each of these situations in this room and to the reach of my voice that we lay it before you today, that impossible thing that there is no way. And God, we trust in you to make that way possible. And when you do, we will be careful to give you all the thanks and all the glory when we recognize how present your hand was in that situation that gave us new life, new opportunity, and we'll have to praise you and tell of your good way. This and all of our prayers we offer to you in the strong and powerful name of Jesus, the Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our Waymaker. Amen. Well, before we go today, um, I just want to say just a few more things. First, I hope that you, as you leave, will go with a sense of expectation. Go with a belief that God is at work in your life and all around you, 
and within you, and that miracles still happen. If I can't convince you anymore, let me tell you, I had three people after the first service come and tell me about the miracles that had happened in their lives. God is still work at work today. I also hope as you go, you will stop by the atrium where there is coffee and lemonade, um, but we also have something that the kids made last week for Easter. There is a butterfly tree um, in the atrium, and so I invite you to come and take a look at their work as they were celebrating the ways God surprises them. And I also want to say, before you leave, we have a gift for each of you. On the way out, I hope you will pick up a pack of Kool-Aid. Let it remind you that miracles can happen in your life too, and that Jesus also likes to celebrate and have fun. So I hope you have a good week, um, and make sure you get your Kool-Aid. So thanks for being in worship today as we have considered another one of our children's questions. I hope that in our service today, you found something to think about yourself. God bless you. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Sunday.